Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It's that time again, fellas. As Jock Journal presents the Free Parking Show. Just a bunch of country boys who have a lot to say about sports. They invite you to call in, text, or just listen in. So pull up a comfy chair and crack open a beer. It's time to talk sports, chicks, and flicks. Hello and welcome to the Free Parking Show here on Jock Journal Radio. Uh, We have a great show ahead of you tonight. We're going to talk about everything in the divisional round of the NFL playoffs as well as the latest news around the NFL. Um, We'd love to hear from you as always. So call in at 405-562-5463 or text us at 77948. And when you text, make sure the first word of your message is the word text and then a space, and then whatever your message is, and we'll read them live on the air. We'd love to hear from you guys. So I'm gonna give it up here to our man Rich. Yeah, Get us yeah, in the yeah. action tonight. How you guys? How you doing, Rich? Oh, I'm doing good. Uh, you know, we just had this interesting conversation before we came on the air, and I, I'm gonna turn this one over to Amos because this this story was absolutely hilarious. And Amos, you tell it better than anyone else. So by all means, <laughs> tell us about your little Skype endeavor you just had uh, this this past week. All right, so last Thursday, and I'm, I mentioned this to Ryan and Peter last week, uh, I get a Skype contact request, and so I go ahead and add the guy because I thought it was maybe a host of another show with a company we work with, and so the guy's like, hey, how are you? I'm like, oh, you know, good, do I know you? And he's like, no, 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 I, I just was scrolling through Skype, and I seen your profile, and I thought maybe you'd want a video chat. And I'm like, uh, nah, nah, dude, I'm cool. So he keeps going, and he's telling me, you know, he's saying some things that I won't necessarily repeat, but he's telling me that he is, you know, basically in his birthday suit, all ready to go and have me on Skype and give me a little sneak peek of the the, the big gun show or whatever he wants to call it. And so this dude keeps messaging me, and, like, I feel like I need to block him on Skype, but I feel like I shouldn't have to do that. Like, I feel like no means no, you know? And, <laughs> like... I don't know what this guy's problem is. I mean, I mean, I, 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 it's just it's strange to me that. And at first, I thought maybe it's like one of them little bot things that you see like everywhere that you know they'll add you to you know on Facebook or whatever or Skype. But no, it's a real person, and I'm like, what the hell is going on with this dude? And I, I don't know. You know, I don't need him. Like we were talking, I don't need him hitting me up on Easter, wanting me to come over and play hide and seek with his eggs. Like that's not something I need in my life. <laughs> you know what the you know what's funny is I get these weird Skype requests from like Indian dudes, but ne- it never went that far, and I automatically delete them as soon as they oh yeah yeah you want to come to India or something, and I'm like uh, no, yeah, yeah I, I would just delete it if it gets that far out of control. But the biggest question is how do people find people on Skype if you don't even like 
Tell well, anybody your Skype is like an open address book, I, I do believe. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, this guy's probably fun. like rolling yeah. dice and picking yeah, no, he Yeah, he was totally going through there. Like, and you know, too, because Amos, you know, it would come up. Like Amos, so it's A, that he didn't make it that far down either. Like, he was pretty lazy. He was just like, uh, like Adam, no, uh, like, Amos, there pretty, we go, that's like, my guy. How many, how many names that start with the letter A start with A-M, though? Like, you gotta really be like, oh, he's oh, a, like someone oh, exotic. Yeah, he's like, oh, Amos, he's like, oh, Amos, that's a cool name. I bet he's a cool dude. Uh, no, as Peter would say, you're a bum. Yeah. He is a bum for that. So, I bet like, you'll for, Skype naked with me. The first time I, <laughs> the first time I saw your name, I actually thought of like the old, uh, the old country song. Uh, was it Jerry Amos Moses? Reed, Amos Moses, yeah. yeah. That was the first thing I've, I thought of. So maybe he was just like a diehard Jerry Reed fan, and he likes to just like uh, naked Snapchat with random dudes. <laughs> mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's completely redneck right there. <laughs> Go there, and he's gonna like try to like sell. He's gonna human traffic me or something. <laughs> but anyway, before we get into uh, the, the actual show tonight, uh, Peter, me, you, and I did the uh, free for all Friday night, and we got so wrapped into the hunt for Red October that we forgot to mention uh, this this week's movie of the week. So I'm gonna go ahead and say uh, I selected my favorite movie of all time, which is Shawshank Redemption. So that's gonna be our movie of the week for Friday night. Uh, I think, Ryan, you wanted to do another rant tonight, didn't you? I want to uh, do, like, a little one, yeah, if if we... <clears throat> Peter, with the, the that's the bar. fine with me. I can't wait to hear what Ryan has to say this, please. All right, so I'll get into it right now. Being a... Anybody who listens to the show knows that I'm a, like, diehard Tennessee Titans fan. I uh, love my Titans. You know, they just hired Mike Malarkey. Um, that's what my rant's going to be about. And, and I understand... Uh, it really came down if you were following it, like, uh, they didn't announce it officially or anything, but you could tell by the way that it was happening that it really came down, uh, between McDaniels and Malarkey. And the ownership really liked Malarkey, but they knew that there was an unpopular pick. Um, and they still went with their guy anyway, obviously. Um, and a lot of people are, are saying, you know, well, McDaniel, like, hasn't had a lot of success outside of Bill Belichick. Uh, which is fair to say, you know, he didn't have that great of a time in Denver, and he had a lot of controversy in Denver as well. And then St. Louis, he's only there for one season. Uh, <clears throat> and the rest of the time, he's been with New England, and he's been under Bill Belichick, and you know, that's a good point, valid point. But Mike Malarkey hasn't had, like, success anywhere that he's gone in the NFL, despite who his, like, head coach has been. Um the I, I I really just I don't like this hire very much at all. I know that a lot of the the team the players and stuff really like this hire and they were like you know rooting for it. I know that Marcus Mariota came out and outspoke for him. Uh, Delaney Walker I believe too. Um, but this was a very unpopular pick with a fan base. You know you have Marcus Mariota is the key to this franchise. I think anybody that watches football knows that that kid is the key to the franchise. You just handed the keys. Uh, you know, to the car, to Mike Malarkey, and so Mariota's growth is directly going to be the result of what Malarkey does or doesn't do, and I just don't understand why you wouldn't go out and get the guy that is more, that works, you know, he, I mean, this guy worked with Tom Brady day in and day out, like, arguably the best quarterback of in history, you know, and everybody saw what he, he made Matt Castle look like Tom Brady, I mean, he made Matt Castle win, what was it, 11 games that year? Um, under him, 
and it looked phenomenal. Uh, and you know, and then duped Kansas City for what was like twenty seven million. So like, you know, it's I just think that 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 was the obvious choice. You have to go with the guy that gives your quarterback the best chance because whatever gives your quarterback the best chance gives your franchise the best chance to win long term. Um, <clears throat> So I just thought I thought it was a dumb hire. I, I'm not a big fan of this hire at all. Uh, I thought that we should have gone with McDaniel's and waited out and and gotten McDaniel's as soon as uh, you know the Patriots run comes to an end this season. I'm gonna add something onto that. This was I was actually driving to the gym this morning, and I was listening to our local uh, sports radio show called the Outer Banks Sports Report because I'm I'm relatively I think the Outer Banks they cover all northeastern North Carolina and a little bit of the Hampton Roads. Uh, Steve Saban, uh, he's the one that does this show. I actually text him in every once in a while, you know, just to talk sports and get my name heard on the radio and whatnot. He made an interesting suggestion to think this is what, you know, maybe these are what the offensive coordinators that are getting promoted, you know, within. This is what he's thinking. If you think back to what uh, the Colts did, uh, Bruce Arians was the, uh, the offensive coordinator under Chuck Pagano. Bruce Arians uh, had to fill in when Chuck Pagano had, you know, got diagnosed with lymphoma or whatever it is, or leukemia, and he ran he ran the team better than Chuck Pagano ever did. Up to let uh, Bruce Arians roll out, he's in Arizona, Arizona, coaching his tail off in Arizona, made the playoffs, and the suggestion was that maybe these owners feel that you know if we don't promote these other guys, you know, like uh, like you said, uh, Mike Malarkey, Dirk Cutter. Uh, What's the other guy that got promoted? Ben McAdoo. Somebody else is going to come in and swipe these guys up, and it, it kind of makes sense because they're thinking, well, maybe this guy's the next Bruce Arians. What do you guys think of that? Uh, well, I think possibility. Like, yeah, I think like first off, uh, Mike Malerky is not the next Bruce Arians. Would be my first <laughs> point. Uh, I think that, in my, in my opinion, right now, if I was going to select a head coach, I, and I got my choice of anybody in the NFL. Uh, obviously, I think you have. If you're being 100% honest, it has to be Belichick. Uh, would be obviously your first choice, but I think Arians would be my second choice right behind Belichick because uh, I love what he's been able to do. I love the scheme that he runs, and he does it with, I mean, almost like exactly like how Belichick does it. He can kind of plug and play guys. I mean, Arizona, you look right now, they're the island of misfit toys. It's every player that other teams didn't want. And they're able to win a lot of games like that, and uh, and really good. They're, I think, the most complete team in the NFL this season. Uh, so I really like what he's been able to do. But Mike Malarkey doesn't have that kind of pedigree. I mean, Mike Malarkey failed miserably in Jacksonville. Like that's what he's got on his resume. Uh, you know, so I, I I don't know. I understand the thought process, but I just thought it was still like a bad choice. Oh, I agree completely. I thought I think Patriots fans were a little concerned that you know. Josh McDaniels said he was highly interested in that Tennessee, but he wasn't going to do no uh, interviews until after this after the they were eliminated. And Tennessee, I think I agree with you. I think Tennessee jumped the gun there. Uh, speaking of the Patriots, they opened up the divisional round against the Kansas City Chiefs. When we were talking about this game, what was it Thursday night? A lot of these we we kind of mentioned how the Chiefs fans and a lot of the Patriots haters were at the end of the post or end of the regular season, lost at New York, lost my, we tried to warn that we tried to warn our listeners, tried to warn everybody else that the boys were back. The Patriots did what the Patriots do, but Peter, you know, you have to look at what Andy Reid did at the end of that game with that clock management, because I mean, 
And he's still running the two-minute warning right now as we speak. <laughs> Correct? Yeah, you know, it was funny. Before, that was going to be my rant tonight. Just, but this class, you know, that was going to be my rant. But this is classic Andy Reid. He, his clock management skills have never been that great. Uh, and th- in, at the beginning of the year, you saw him in games wait until it was like getting a little out of reach before you open a playbook. So Andy, Andy Reid, as good of a coach as he is, when it comes to big games, he has a really hard time figuring out what he's doing. And we've seen this before. I mean, I believe they went to four straight NFC Championship games and it took them until their fourth one to make the Super Bowl. Now, making four in a row was hard. But I think when you look at it from a distance, you say to yourself, okay, well, how much of that was Andy Reid is not making the right call? Or maybe making errors where there shouldn't have been errors. I mean, I'm not surprised Andy Reid, his clock man, was bad at the end of this game. Uh, as far as the rest of the game goes, you know, I, Tom Brady wasn't sacked at all, which was the first time he hasn't been sacked in the game since, uh, since the uh, home game against the Washington Redskins earlier in the season. And then, <clears throat> so that was good, and their offense with Danny Amendola and Julian Edelman back, you know, they're both back on the field together, Gronkowski, uh, Tom Brady, Brandon LaFell, you know, he was out there. He did his thing. The running game wasn't great. Now, the only thing I would say negatively about the New England Patriots in this game was stopping Alex Smith and the Chiefs' running game. Alex just had four runs for 40 – or no, sorry, nine runs for 44 yards, which is almost a five-yard average. He converted a third and 13 with his leg. So if, they're, if they advance to the Super Bowl and they have to do it, they've got to figure that out. But aside from that, uh, the Chiefs' clock management was bad. New England played pretty well aside from the run defense, I felt like. And Julian Edelman, 111 total yards, 100 receiving, 11 on the ground, on 11 total touches. So it was it was good to see him back. So I think overall, a good game. New England held on. They did what they had to do, and they they pulled out the win. I mean, they made some pretty gutsy calls there, especially towards the end on that second down where Brady threw it to uh, to get the first down. I mean, just there were some pretty close calls by the Patriots in that game, but they, overall they won the game. They did what they had to do, and and Belichick pulled some stuff out of his pocket to win the game. Yeah, no, I thought, to me, throughout the entire game, I know the score ended up being 27-20 at one point. It's 21-6, but to me, the Patriots had control of the game the entire time, even when it looked like it was starting to get close near the end. Tom did great trying to, you know, getting his guys open. Receivers did great. Did an awesome job implementing Edelman back in there, getting him a lot of looks. I think he had, like, 17 targets, but 10 catches, which was awesome. Kind of knock off some of that rust. I know he's been practicing, but there's nothing like actual, you know, getting out there and game time play. And then I thought defensively, the Patriots played well too. Their secondary, you know, they had some glimpses here and there of giving up big passes to uh, Jason Avant, who actually just made a lot of big plays. And he kind of surprised me. He, that guy, if Kansas City would have won that game, he would have been the unsung hero for this. He, he did a, a great job against Patriots secondary. And defensively, I think they were willing to let Alex Smith run the ball a little bit. I, I don't think it was ever anything that was going to be a huge cause of concern, like he was going to break off a 64-yard run or something like that. I think they were willing to sacrifice 8, 10, 12 yards here and there to ultimately accomplish what they did. Kansas City side, um, Travis Kelsey was really non-existent. Um, Jeremy Macklin, you know, dealing with a high ankle sprain, he wasn't able to go at 100%. I think that was a big factor for them. And defensively, I know Holly and Houston both were, were not near 100%, but they have been a great pass rushing duo for the entire season. And, you know, last year, I they weren't able to get to Brady. That offense line did great. 
I, I was actually a little surprised. I know Stork went out with an injury, and then they replaced him with David Andrews, who has played very well at center when he's been in there. And defensively for Kansas City is I thought the corners would do a lot better against the Patriots receivers because I thought because they were smaller that they would be able to jam them at the line and kind of throw them off. But, you know, Edelman, Amendola, Keyshawn Martin all proved to be a shiftier than what they could touch them at the line. And, you know, a couple blown opportunities on Kansas City with interceptions too. Marcus Peter should have had one. Sean Smith probably could have had a couple. And, I, you know, even I think it was repeated during the game with the announcers that, you know, with Dan Fouts, even when the Patriots lose, they're winning. Ryan. Sorry about sorry about that. Uh I think you both uh both brought up some great points there. Uh first off, you know, talking about the running game for Kansas City was able to get off. It was the only thing that seemed to be working <clears throat> um for them for most of the game. Uh one thing I really noticed with New England uh was man, they were excited to have their weapons back and you could tell uh, you know, 16 targets for Edelman, 8 targets for Gronkowski, uh, which is by far the next highest amount is 5 by Brandon LaFell, and then no one else, you know, got above like 4. You see like 4-3, like White had 3, Martin had 4, a couple guys had 1. You, you know, there was <clears throat> they were excited to have Edelman and Gronk back, and you could tell they were getting them the ball, uh, letting their playmakers uh, make big plays for them, and that's, I mean, that's absolutely, uh, you know, going to be crucial for New England down the stretch, just keeping these guys healthy for the next two games. Um, you know, you might be able to win with one, but both of them out, and we saw at the end of the season what that means for this Patriots team uh, losing both of those guys. I mean, they're just outstanding, top-of-the-game kind of players. Uh, another thing that really stood out to me in this game is the offensive line, uh, you know, for the Patriots, has kind of been a problem. So what's Bill Belichick do? He puts the ball in Tom Brady's hands for half a second. I mean, it seemed like it seemed like Brady had enough time to get the ball out of center and then pull it up and chuck it, or like catch the ball out of a shotgun and just chuck it. And the ball was out of hand, his hands fast all day. Uh, I think that's why you saw Amendola. I mean, uh, excuse me, Edelman get so many catches coming out of like slant routes. Uh, you know, go routes, out routes, stuff like that, that you can get the ball kind of quick. You don't have to let the, um, it, uh, the long play produce. <clears throat> he was moving quick, especially in those slant routes. I mean, how many times did we see Edelman catch one over a slant? Uh, which was just smart game planning, I think. That you saw that instead of trying to throw the, you know, take the top off of the defense, uh, they just, they, they'll take slow, steady drives down the field with this passing attack and score. Um, I like the. I really, really liked uh, the way that Tom Brady played in this. But I mean, it's, it's Tom Brady. We all know that he's going to play well. It's no shocker now. Uh, on the other side of the ball here, Alex Smith throwing the ball fifty times. I understand uh, that they were down a lot. You know, the majority of this game they were down, and then they had to claw their way back. Uh, but you don't really want Alex. I mean, I love Alex Smith. I love the way he's been playing. I don't mean anything against him, but he's not the type of quarterback you want throwing 50 times a game. I mean, there's few quarterbacks in the NFL that you want throwing 50 times a game. And personally, for me, there's no quarterback in the NFL, if they're on my team, that I want throwing that many times in a game. Um, he was 29 for 50, you know, at a 4-9 average, which is 
average per attempt, you know, so the number obviously is far lower because of his low amount of completions uh, per his attempts. So, you know, it, they just weren't, they didn't click that well until the end of the game. You know, as Amos touched on, they had to claw their way back in this one. Uh, I kind of expected more of this Kansas City team because even as Amos said, if you watch this game, you really didn't feel uh, that Kansas City was going to come back. And and I would have liked to see, like, I don't have anything against the Patriots, but, you know, I don't have, I didn't have any dog in this hunt, so I root for the underdog. Um, and I was rooting for Kansas City, but... You know, you just felt, you knew, like, they weren't going to come back. They weren't going to be able to make it. Um, and it just wasn't really that exciting of a game, even though the score leads it to believe, but it really wasn't as close as the score made it. How pretty was the pump fake to Gronkowski on the second touchdown? I wanted uh, to bring that up, and I forgot, man. Beautiful. And, and I'm going to tell you the way, and the clock management and I was chatting with a friend of mine and he was like, Oh man, your boy Butler's getting burned. And when it came down and they were inside and before that touchdown pass was like, what was it like a minute and a half left on the clock or something? Uh, they, they were, it was like third and goal or something. And the, uh, uh, Butler gets called for the pass interference. I'm like, well, they just go eat up more. I said, believe it or not. And he was, he was like, man, Butler got flagged. I said, that actually helps him because, like I said, Kansas City was running that thing with an hourglass. It was like, go to the line. Okay, let, let's. We're, we're not ready to snap the ball yet, even though the play clock started. Okay, we can snap it now. Snap the ball, throw the ball. You know, and it was just it, the the the. I think had they managed the clock a little bit better, you had a minute and a half, and you had three timeouts, and you decided to use them after the fact that you scored a touchdown. And and I'll tell you what, though. You know who was watching that football game closely was in Green Bay Packers on that onside kick return because <laughs> Gronk was the one that jumped up there and got it. Everybody else was blocking for him. But a great, great game all around. Uh, you know, and then we saw uh, Green Bay, Arizona that night. And let me tell you, if you didn't stay up and watch this one, because I, 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 I'm going to admit I kind of dozed off at halftime, woke up, and I was like, what in the world? Saw going to overtime, uh, 20, what was it, 26-20. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, man, that dude is a beast. Peter, it, it you know that everybody's sleeping on the Cardinals now. They after what Carolina did, which we're going to talk about that uh, after this game. All right, so um, this game was pretty pretty intense. I got to be honest with you. It started off kind of slow, but then the last quarter got super exciting. Aaron Rodgers pulled out another hail mary. At the end of a game, man, I couldn't believe it. I was actually so we left my girlfriend's grandparents' house just before the two-minute warning because we were. Um, I had to get back home because I was a little early today, and uh, we're driving home. And we sat. We, I waited out in the car to listen to what happened at the end of the game, right over our, <clears throat> our regulations. So I went inside after I heard the hail mary was a touchdown. I watched the overtime part of the game, and I've got to tell you. Uh, Man, Arizona's looking pretty good. I know Carson Palmer made some mistakes. The running game wasn't there. But remember, Green Bay has a lot of experience. And I think that maybe they were playing better than I thought they were. You know, they did show up against Washington, so I have to give them credit for that. They made it interesting at the end of this game. But Carson Palmer, man, I mean, him and Larry Fitzgerald have found magic this season. Larry Fitzgerald, he, when it comes to the playoffs, he tears it up. I remember the, the run to the Super Bowl, which they lost. 
he I think he set the record for most postseason touchdowns in a postseason, not not overall, but just in one postseason run. And he just he's phenomenal. I mean, he almost scored he almost scored on the first pass of overtime. He ended up scoring the game when he touched down. But Arizona's looking very dangerous right now. And if I'm Carolina, I'm nervous because of the way they played in the second half yesterday. Arizona might be able to go into Carolina and upset them. I'm gonna I'm gonna make it. I'm just gonna say now. I know we're doing our prediction show later in the week. We'll talk more about these games. I'm gonna go on record right now and say Arizona will beat Carolina next week in Carolina or this upcoming Sunday. <clears throat> I I really enjoyed this game. I thought it was obviously an extremely competitive game. I didn't think it was going to be. I thought Green Bay would go in there, and they were just going to kind of get blown out. And personally, I thought this was the best game Rodgers had played all year. I have not seen a fired-up Aaron Rodgers like that in probably a year. It, you know, he's a guy who me and Ryan have discussed before, a little hard on him, but I, I, yesterday he impressed me. He really did. I thought he was all – he went all out. He gave it everything he had to win. The defense just gave up that long run in overtime or the long pass and run on overtime. Offensively, they got things going. Arizona did, but they did late. The thing that worries me about Arizona is how depleted that the Green Bay offense was, and they were able to just continue to hang around and hang around. And just, I know they play aggressively on defense a lot with Arizona and they're blitzing, but if you do that against Cam Noon, he's going to burn you. you gotta, you're going to have to play. I'm not saying don't blitz at all, but he's going to have to be a little more conservative with what you do. Uh, as far as Green Bay goes, I think had they would have had Jordy Nelson, had Randall Cobb stayed in there, I think they may be the ones advancing to the championship game. Uh, Carson Palmer, though, he gets his first playoff win. I thought it was a good performance when he got things going. I just I had Arizona going to the Super Bowl. I still do think that they will, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if Carolina just kind of had their way with them. I was absolutely impressed by the way that this Green Bay team played. Uh, and I thought that Amos brought up some good points. But I've been saying the whole year uh, that I think that it's unfair that uh, what Aaron Rodgers, um, the grief that he's been getting, I think that he plays an unbelievable game. I think his offensive line has been unbelievably bad this season, and that's held him back a lot. I still think that it's the same guy that we've known the whole year. They're um, known hit for hitter. He's a really, really phenomenal quarterback. Uh, and what he's able to do with the football is mind blowing. But that offensive line quit producing, and it—I mean, it just—it was hard for him. And it goes to show you how important those guys up front are. Uh, I really love the game that he played. Eddie Lacy as well, uh, 12 carries for 89 yards on a 7-4 average. That's an unbelievably great average in the NFL. Uh, I mean, anything over 5 is great. 7.4 is phenomenal. Uh, just a great effort out of him. And, you know, he's been kind of wishy-washy this season. Also, Jeff Janis, man, I wanted to bring this guy up because uh, he had two receptions for 79 yards all season in this game he had seven catches 145 yards two touchdowns that's a 20.7 average I mean the the dude just came out of nowhere and was just amazing had a great huge game um you know I don't like want to take away anything uh you know from what Larry Fitzgerald did because he had an outstanding game uh, and he's an outstanding player. But this Jeff Janis guy was almost had just like an, an equally good game. You know he had less yards, uh, but he did have the second touchdown. I mean just unbelievable what this kid had was able to do. Uh, you know 
a guy that you know doesn't get the kind of action that you normally see in, and how depleted. Amos brought it up. This offense is like the definition of depleted. You know, they were playing with. Uh, I mean, nobody at wide receiver. Uh, me and Peter had to turn him down this week. We we're like, no, nah, we got things going on. We can't play wide receiver this week <laughs> because of how how weak they were. That's how weak they were. And if you don't know, me and pa- Peter are tiny white guys, so that tells you how bad it was. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald, uh, I mean, it's hard not to bring this guy up in this game. Un- unbelievable. He shines in big moments. And I really think – I was talking about it with some friends this weekend – and I've watched his career, and um, you know, being a West Virginia fan, I rem- I remember seeing Larry Fitzgerald. I've seen him live, you know, four or five times uh, in his college career um, because he was at Pitt. And being a West Virginia fan, that's their biggest rival. So watching him uh, play, and even in college, you knew like this is kid's going to be something else. He's going to be special. Um, and I really think throughout his career, if he would have had steady quarterback play, not even a great quarterback, but like a Matthew Stafford even, or a Matt Ryan, I think we'd be talking about him in, in the best ever conversation. I don't think he would be in like above Jerry, uh, Jerry Rice, but I think that he would be in that conversation of top three, four, five guys ever to play the game. His skill set's unbelievable. Uh, the way he's able to, you know, he catches on the sidelines. He catches over people's heads. He makes spectacular catches. He moves well without the ball. Excellent route runner. Great speed. Physicality. Blocking. I mean, he's he's a complete package at wide receiver. Um, and, you know, he now he's getting up there in age, but still eight catches, 176 yards. I, I mean, unbelievable game that he had. I love this Arizona team. I love watching them play. Um, the one thing that I will take away from this is this game shouldn't have been as close as it was. Uh, you know, the two interceptions uh, by Palmer is what made this game close. And Palmer has gotten a lot of grief um, in, in the past for not being able to win in the playoffs. Um it seems to be a Cincinnati quarterback kind of a thing, uh, but but he has gotten a lot of grief for it, and he almost threw this game away for this Arizona team. Uh, but they were able to hold on, hold on, and win. I, I hope that his confidence or, or whatever it was um, comes like, strong into this next game uh, because you throw two picks against the Carolina Panthers, and you're not going to win the game. I'll guarantee you that. All right. Uh, why don't we go ahead and take a quick commercial? I think, uh, Ryan, you had a question for us uh, on the first game when we come back from commercial. We're going to go to the – after that, we'll go ahead and talk about the two Sunday games because there was a little bit more – a little bit more intrigue involved in those as well. We'll be right back, guys. Check us out. Well, the boys are talking, and the show is really moving along. But we need to take a break before a fight breaks out people end up in the hospital. Stay tuned, and we'll be right back now, you hear? <laughs> that boy's good. Mm-hmm, good and terrible. One, eight, seven, seven, cars for kids. K-A-R-S, cars for kids. One, eight, seven, seven, cars for kids. Donate your car today. One eight seven seven cars for kids. 
KARS Cars for Kids 1877 Cars for Kids Donate your car today Also on the web at carsforkids.com That's cars with a K We're a recognized 501c3 charity organization So you'll receive a maximum tax deduction What's more, you'll receive a free vacation voucher of three days and two nights 1877 Cars for Kids K-A-R-S, Cars for Kids. one cars for kids Donate your car today. Are you looking for the web's best sports news? Visit jockjournal.com. Sports media has lost its touch. It seems that journalists are scared to report what they see for fear of losing access to the teams they cover. At jockjournal.com, you get inside info on the entire NFL community without all the politics or fears other writers have. That's jockjournal.com. When you need the NFL sports news, information, opinions, fantasy, football, or discussions, there's only one place to to go and it's jockjournal.com okay the boys have settled down one has a beard in and the other has a steak on his eye but why don't you give them a call and tell them what you think all right welcome back to the free parking show here on jock journal radio uh we're gonna get into the next two games and i have a quick question before we do that though We'd love to hear from you, so give us a call at 405-562-5463 or text us at 77948, and the first word of your text message has to be the word text. Um, And we'd love to hear your thoughts on all of the action, all the games. Uh, But real quick question for you guys before we head into the next game. Um, uh, Talking about the first game, uh, of course the Patriots-Kansas City game, through Andy Reid's career, he has gotten a lot of flack for being a, an ultra conservative coach, and man, and like and Rich kind of brought this up that he didn't open the playbook up until it was too late. Um, and you know, you see these guys too. I was thinking about this, you know, in the national championship game this year, Alabama goes for an onside kick um, when they didn't need to. They take risks. Um, do you think that that is a big factor? Do you think that it's just a good story, or do you think it's just it is a big factor in why Andy Reid hasn't gotten the ultimate success um, in this sport? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take this one first because one thing that they mentioned on the NFL Network after that game was is if you think back to that Super Bowl played in 2005 between the Eagles and the Patriots, Andy Reid played conservatively, and look what happened. So. I'm going to leave it at that, but I'm going to let Peter Namus take a stab at this one. So, <clears throat> he he needs to start taking chances. Absolutely. And I thought he started doing that a little bit this year after Jamal Charles got hurt. You know, the playbook opened up a little bit. Uh, well, actually, quite a bit, because I kind of felt like Andy Reid must have been telling Alex Smith, if everything kind of goes south, just give it to Jamal Charles instead of trying to find, you know, your guy. But what irritated me the most about the clock management in this game was when they were getting towards the end, they were huddling up. I mean, you don't need to huddle up. Just let Alex Smith call the play at the line of scrimmage. You know, he's your quarterback. It's his third year in that offense. He should know what what he's doing. You know, he's been in the playoffs before. And just, I kind of felt like Andy Reid didn't maybe trust him that much, or I don't know if he just wasn't feeling the urgency. So, 
I mean, again, I'm not surprised. And Richard mentioned this. Look at the Super Bowl. He played conservative. And I think this is part of the reason why Andy Reid's always had postseason struggles. I, I'll, I'll also remind you of the uh, the champion, the NFC Championship game in the 08 season, I believe it was, when Arizona was throttling them. And, and uh, sorry, Philadelphia did come back, but I felt like at times in that game before they came back, Andy Reid was being conservative. It's just. Whatever it is with Andy Reid, it's the biggest game, the biggest moments. He just takes his gas and just—it's almost like he—he's afraid of the big moments. You know, I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's reaching, but the big moments of Andy Reid don't go well together. And Andy, you know, I was not like Andy Reid. I respect him, but he's got to clean up his act in the playoffs. There's just no excuse for as many failures as he's had in the playoffs. Just poor club management and not being aggressive enough. It's just—it's poor. It's hard to watch. All right, I'm going to stick to this this game in particular. I think, yeah, the clock management was bad, but Kansas City had tried some trick things at the beginning of the game, and they had gained some yards, but nothing substantial. So I think a little bit of it's bad clock management, and you know, it's you want to give it over to your quarterback, but I think at that point in the game, I think you're kind of looking at your play sheet like, you know, what the hell are we going to do? Like they've they've covered everything pretty well. They've stopped the trick plays. We haven't gained much. What are we going to be able to do? We can't just throw it up to Avant every play and hope he comes down with it. I'm going to agree with you guys that, that I think that he does kind of um, he does kind of shy away in the big game. You see him, um, you know, play a little bit more on the edge, and I think that that Amos brings up a good point too because it did kind of come up with a little bit of trickery and stuff, but he didn't try anything. I mean, you watch him play in week six, and you watch him play in, you know, the divisional round of the playoffs, and it's a completely different team. Uh, and, the, you know, I, I think that he does kind of, you know, he gets a little bit more conservative in the playoffs, and I think he's a conservative coach to begin with, which I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but it's I don't think it's a winning formula either. I mean, you see a lot of coaches take – um, risks in big games, uh, and and it pays off for them. Alabama won a national championship because of it. If you think back, the Saints won a Super Bowl because of um, their ability to take the risk late in that game. Um, I do have a text in uh, dealing with this matter, and it says uh, from Kansas City, uh, and it said, "Longtime Kansas City fan." Can we get rid of Reed already? <laughs> so obviously they're not pleased with the result. Here's the thing that when, yeah. when you're coaching yeah. against Belichick, is any of them gadget plays, any of that trickery, the surprise onside kick, is it going to be something that he's not going to expect you to do to try to shift momentum? Uh, well, Doug Peterson's out the door. That's what I'm going to reply to that one. So, I mean, <laughs> hey. It is what it is. But we need to get get on these last two games right quick, guys. Uh, so Sunday's early game was uh, Seattle beat – or I'm sorry, Carolina beat Seattle 31-24. to I'm, I'm going to tell you, I was impressed with what Carolina did defensively. Offensively, I'm still not quite sold. That, and we are going to talk about these the, the championship games on Sunday – but, you know, I'm going to go back to this other game real quick before I give my final thoughts on this Carolina game. Uh, I think when you're looking at Carson Palmer, I think he got he got the stress off of his back with, with that win, uh, you know, because it's been on. You know it's been eating it. Jack can't win in the playoffs. Can't win in the playoffs. He wins in the playoffs. I think you're going to see a little bit more relaxed Cardinals team going into this game. 
You know, me and Peter in the earlier shows talked about Arizona needed a quarterback. I still think Carson Palmer's the answer there, obviously, or they're not put in this position. Now, speaking of Sunday's game, Carolina impressed me all the way until when they started the second half and they could not put no points on the board. Uh, their running game was awesome. Cam Newton, I think, only threw, uh, what, uh, I think it was just 27 times or something like that. So it's like... You can do it on that game plan, but you're gonna. I, I still think Arizona is going to come into Carolina, and you know, if you play with the way you played in that second half of that game Sunday, other than that, like I said, Luke Keekley had a great game. Uh, uh, Jonathan Stewart came back, ran the first play off the line of scrimmage, like what sixty something yards. But you get into that second half, Carolina's just got to pick that pace up. Ron Rivera says, oh, no, we're, we're not protecting the lead. Yeah, you were protecting the lead, buddy, because you got to come out there. Because I'm going to tell you, we've seen the Arizona offense when they're firing, firing on all cylinders. You're going to have to match them score for score. So I still think Carolina's defense looked a little bit suspect on the back end. But then again, I've been saying that about everybody's defense this year. So, you know, Peter, it, it, like you said, I, I still think Arizona's going to come into Carolina as well in this game. But that's just my opinion. Uh, hats off to Seattle, though. They stayed in it, and they fought till the end. Seattle really impressed me in this game. Uh, just how they hung in there right until the very end, even though they went down 31 nothing at the half. It's kind of interesting. Maybe if they kicked the field goal in the first half, uh, the scheme would have been a little bit different. I know they lost by a touchdown, but maybe – Maybe in that field goal late in the game, they would have went for it and tried to score a touchdown instead of just kicking a field goal and trying to get the ball back. Um, so I'm going to break this down really quick for you. First half, obviously, it was Carolina just completely dominated Seattle. I mean, they had two turnovers, uh, including a pick six for Carolina's defense, uh, which is just incredible. I mean, it's, they, they were making Russell Wilson, look, Russell Wilson look pedestrian in the first half. And then I don't know what happened in the second half. It was, you know, this game was really truly a it was like a tale of two halves, or you know, it was like a, it had two different stories. The first half was all Carolina, the second half was all Seattle. And I got to be honest with you, if Carolina should be concerned about how that game finished. I think they, they caught a red hot start. And I remember, I think it was either before or after the halftime, one of the reporters for the game had brought up, brought up the fact that Ron, it must have been after that, Ron Rivera talked about the uh, the Giants game when the Giants came back, and he mentioned it to his team, like you know, hey. Anything happened, and it almost did happen again. And had it happened, this Carolina Panthers team would have been very embarrassed. And there's a reason why they're called the Cardiac Cats. As my friend, one of my friends is a diehard Panthers fan, he calls them the Cardiac Cats because every game is interesting, but it really is. So, honestly, the second half worries me about Carolina a little bit. And I know it's just one game, but that just wasn't good. It wasn't. And I understand their defense. I know that they made some stops, and... They, 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 you know, obviously Carolina won the game, but they can't continue. To, they cannot play that way again next week against Arizona. Because in my opinion, Arizona is better than Seattle. And Ryan has mentioned on the show and through messaging message boards that Arizona is the most complete team. So when you go and get the team that can run and throw the ball and play defense all at the same time, you cannot blow a 31 point lead and almost loot and almost let another team tie it up. Because Arizona, you give them, you give them an inch and they could, they could go a mile. Uh, you know, obviously it's. I don't know. It was just it was a very interesting game to watch, but Carolina should be very a, a little bit worried right now, if not very worried about that second half of that game. There's just no excuse for allowing Seattle to get back into it 
and almost tie it up. It's just it's just not good. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you 100%. They, no way Carolina should have ever let that happen. I know a lot of the blame has been taken on by Ron Rivera, but I know there's a lot of talk about Mike Shula's play calling. And I think when, you know, Seattle starts coming back in the second half, offensively you were and defensively your team was so hot in the first half and now you're kind of playing that conservative you know you're playing that shell defense and you're just trying to kill time off the clock on offense it's hard when a team catches back up to kind of like just you can't just switch back into that rhythm i like carolina's offense cam newton is obviously a great player but they don't have the other weapons offensively like the Patriots or even, you know, the Broncos or Arizona to where they can kind of flick the switch at any point and be into rhythm. Ted Ginn's not a guy who's going to every game be have 17 targets and 10 catches, nor is Philly Brown. Greg Olson, maybe. And you just can't. I mean, Johnson Stewart's a great, he's been a great running back this year, but, you know, he's not a guy who's, he's more of a power guy. He's got a little bit of finesse. But I don't. He's got a guy that you have to keep going and keep that offense in rhythm. And I know it's the NFL, and you're up thirty-one nothing. But you know, make your goal forty-five. If you reach forty-five, make it fifty-three. To me, it doesn't. You know, you got to keep your foot on the gas. And Seattle, they got going late, but you know, I think the biggest thing that got them in the game was, you know, Jared Allen goes out with a foot injury. Uh, Cortland Finnegan takes over for Charles Tillman. The Panthers also. I do believe lost – I think it's their free safety at the playoffs too. That secondary is starting to get decimated, and I agree with Rich that they are now, to me, a little suspect on the back end, and I think that's something that Arizona will be able to exploit. But overall, I mean, I thought it was a good game. I thought Carolina for a minute was – I did. I thought they were going to bust in. I thought they were going to let Seattle come back, but they held on. You know, good for them. Glad to see them advance. I think it's going to be a great NFC championship game, but – you know, you get your gas on the pedal, you get your hand around someone's throat like that. You might as well just take away the hope and the life out of them to let, you know, make them start playing more conservative because they know they're not even going to have a chance. Edmus is exactly right. Leave no doubt. I've heard it like my whole life growing up. I think anybody who's played football growing up has heard the line before. Leave no doubt. You're the best team on the field. Uh, I mean, leave no doubt in anybody's mind that you're the best team on the field. 403 yards, total yards, that's what Seattle had, compared to 295 for Carolina. So Seattle far outgained Carolina. Uh, 23 first downs compared to Carolina's 19 first downs. You know, so they moved the ball much better in the game um, than Carolina did. But I'm going to bust out a whole bunch of football cliches for you. All right, guys, these are like the cliches that you know and love. Time of possession, got to control the ball, um, which I think is doesn't really take uh, a lot of effect. Now, I think it is. it used to be a really important stat. It's not so much anymore, but when you have a team that runs the ball as much as Carolina does, it becomes important again. Uh, 35 minutes, 24 minutes in this game. You got to take care of the football. There's my second cliche. Uh, Seattle's two turnovers to Carolina's zero it was a big, big factor um, in this game. Uh, and then the third one for me, I'll give you one more cliche, is like big players make big plays. We hear this all the time. And Lou Keekley, man, this kid, I think, uh, I mean, it's hard to say that he's not the best at his position right now. I know there's a lot of great, lot of great linebackers that play on the inside, but 
he I mean he's everywhere. He's everywhere. He gets you know, it was like 11 tackles in this game. Has the interception return for a touchdown. Uh, I mean, he's everywhere. Everywhere you look, he's in that gap. You know, you run to the right, there's Luke Keekly. You run to the left, there's Luke Keekly. You throw short, there he is. Through medium passes, there he is. Outside, inside. You know, he's everywhere. Unbelievably gifted, uh, unbelievably talented linebacker. Uh, and he played a huge difference in this game. One thing that blew my mind out of this game um was how bad the rushing attack was um, for Seattle. It was just completely stagnant. And I know that, you know, Lynch, you know, uh, wasn't in and that um, that definitely hurts, but they've been still able to move the ball uh, pretty well this season. But they, I mean, they were completely stagnant in the running game. The passing game, they did, uh, you know, find, like, especially later in the game, um, but... Russell Wilson had three carries for 32 yards, was by far the best running rusher for Seattle. On the other thing, Carolina, and I don't think I've heard anybody say it yet, um, Jonathan Stewart, you got to give it up to him. Um, 19 carries, 106 yards, that's a 5.6 average, two touchdowns, both early on in this game. And... Uh, and that was a huge difference in this game. Jonathan Stewart, absolutely, in my opinion, the play... Uh, came up huge for his team and deserves uh, all the credit in the world for the way he played. And last but not least, the final piece of the puzzle, uh, Denver over Pittsburgh, 23-16. to I'm going to leave it at this. Peyton Manning, keep your game up with Tom Brady and the boys healthy coming into town. Uh, quick question for you guys, and this is the biggest question I think that, that, that everyone's been asking, was missing Antonio Brown, the reason Pittsburgh lost this game. And before you answer, I will say this on a note. I watched all of this game the other day, or yesterday. Paid Manning, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw the throw he threw. I think it was to Emmanuel Sanders where it looked like Emmanuel Sanders literally had to pick it up out of the ground. looked like he threw that ball as hard as he could, and it traveled five yards before it hit the dirt. I don't care what anybody says. He is not 100% healthy, and if you get in a shootout with Tom Brady come Sunday, you're going to get your butt whooped. And that that's where I'm passing over to you, Peter. Antonio Brown in this game, do the Pittsburgh, is this a different outcome? You know what? <clears throat> I'm going to have to say this is a really tough one because I thought they did a really good passing the ball regardless, but I say yes because the running game, you know, I said this without Daniel Williams, I didn't think it would be that good. I thought they ran the ball okay, uh, but I think if Antonio Brown was in the game, you would have seen some more down the field passes, I think, more than they already had before. <clears throat> I got to give it up to to Brian and Wheaton for stepping up in this game. And even Davis Hayward Bay had a really, had a good game for himself too. But but I think if Antonio Brown was in this game, yes, the Steelers do win because it gives you it gives them one more option for Big Ben to throw the football to. And I think you know, for maybe the running game struggling a little bit. So that would that, that's my answer to that question. And um, just really quick before I pass it off to the next person, uh, Broncos offense has got to pick it up. You know, I know they had some good plays, but Peyton Manning looked like he was having issues with arm strength again yesterday. You could tell where the ball was was coming out of his hand. You could see that it was a, it was just kind of weak or or a little bit wobbly, and he could have been picked off twice in that game. And man, if if if, if uh, Gay, I believe his last name is Gay, had picked off that pass towards the end, I think we would have been having a different conversation about this game. To be honest, I'm actually with I'm gonna touch on the Antonio Brown. I'm going to say no, because I think had 
Toussaint not fumbled that ball, I think it's even a different game because all the receivers are doing great. Wheaton, Bryant, uh, Sammy Coates stepped up and had some big catches and some big spots, but I think Toussaint was the play of the game that changed completely shifted the momentum. But yeah, Denver's going to have to play a little better. But the thing that Pittsburgh does a little better than New England is the go routes. They have more, they have a little more speed to where New England has more quickness. But we t- Patriots attack the middle of the field, and I think that's going to be something the Broncos struggle with. And Steelers, you know, unhealthy team going in Denver. The fact they held into that game when no one thought they would, good for them. And I think they'll, with a healthy team next year, I think they'll be right back in the same situation, but with a different outcome. I'm going to say no and uh, to your question here. I don't think they would have won um, with Antonio Brown on the field. But I will say this. I think they would have won um, – with one of two other guys on the field, and that's D'Angelo Williams or Le'Veon Bell. Because if you look at the passing game, um, Martavius Bryant had 154 yards uh, on like a nine catches. He had a really um, great game. A lot of other guys, they had several guys catch passes, and a lot of really great averages, 32 yards, 30 yards, 22 yards. Uh, you know, a lot of guys made big plays in the passing game for them. And you saw what Big Ben was able to do on uh, 24 for 37, 339 um, on a 9-2 average. Uh, he played outstanding. The problem in this game really became the running game, and they weren't balanced at all, which put even more pressure on the passing game. Martavius Bryant had two carries that netted 40 yards um but obviously you know like uh reverse plays kind of trick plays not running back so we'll take him out of it right then you have uh Fitzgerald Trussant had 11 or 12 carries excuse me for 39 yards that's a 3-3 average Jordan Todman six carries for or five carries for six yards which is a 1.2 average um, so together, these guys are aver- those two are averaging um, almost at right at three yards uh, carry. I mean that's unacceptable for a team that that is able to push, able to get that kind of push uh, off of the the front. But uh, you know they do have the weakness of not having their starter or their backup running back for this game. I think that would have been a difference maker if you would have had. Uh, Le'Veon Bell, of course, who I still think is the best running back in the league, or um, or D'Angelo Williams in there, who was absolutely phenomenal in a backup role this year. So I think that I think Antonio Brown wouldn't have made a gigantic difference. I mean, he's a big playmaker and he is uh, a really great. I think the best wide receiver in the league. Um, but the passing game wasn't the problem problem in this for. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers, it was the running game, and the Steelers need that running game. You look at the games where Antonio Brown has had big games, the running game's been solid. It's not like he's doing it all by himself. The running game's been solid. Um, This week, they were awful, awful outside of, you know, Martavius Bryan's run. But, I mean, it was unbelievably awful for a Pittsburgh-led team. That's the reason that they lost this game. Very valid points, guys. Uh, real quickly, we're going to do the bum and studs of the week, and then we're going to get out of here. To, uh, like I said, after the bum and studs of the week, we got the Nash and Matt show, followed by the stretch. I'm really interested to hear Nash and Matt, because <laughs> if you don't know, Nash is a Seattle fan, Matt's a Kansas City fan, so they're they're both a little bit, you know, 
kind of down right now. So it'll be a pretty entertaining show. And <laughs> the stretch is run by all Kansas City boys. So you know you got to tune into that one as well. Uh, my bum of the week is going to go to the chick that I actually set up the GoFundMe account because she lost all her lottery money. Boo-hoo. You're a bum. You shouldn't be doing stuff like that. Go to Gambling Anonymous, uh, Anonymous if you have a problem. And believe it or not, even though their team lost, my stud of the week goes to Jeremy Macklin. That boy came out and played on a high ankle sprain. More power to you. I, I don't know how he did it. So, you know, he, he's a stud. All right. My bum of the week goes to Andy Reid for his poor clock management and just just overall lackadaisical clock management throughout his career. And then my set of the week goes to Julian Edelman. Ten catches, 100 yards, and one carry for 11 yards. So 111 yards total on one carries. Uh, great to see him back for the Patriots. My bum of the week is going to go to Daryl Bevel, the Seahawks offensive coordinator. And if you call better plays on third down in the first half, you put your team in a better position. So my studs of the week, I'm going to go with a unit. I'm going to go with the Patriots offensive line. Played a fantastic game. Amen. My uh, stud of the week is going to be a tie um, here between Luke Keekley. Played an outstanding game. Uh, really loved what he was able to do. And, you know, I think everyone knows Luke Keekley's a stud in this league. Um, the other guy, Josh McDaniels for the Patriots. Uh, I think he played or had a really great game plan set up. They got the ball out of Brady's hands quickly. Uh, the offense moved really great. I think that was a huge difference maker. And I really wish he was going to be our next head coach. Um, <laughs> for, for bum of the week this week, uh, this one was tough because um, I think there was a lot of things to take from. But I'm actually going to go uh, with the Seattle Seahawks as a whole um, because this is a really talented roster. And this is a very talented team. From top to bottom, left to right, this is a talented roster. Um, and everybody wants to, to kind of, you know, well, they almost made the comeback. I go, but you let yourself go down 31 points, you're a bum. I mean, this in this league, if you, if you were – and going into halftime at 31 to nothing, you might as well be playing in college because that, that's awful. And I don't care if they almost made the comeback or not. You should never put yourself in that kind of situation. All right, guys. Like I said, we will see uh, Amos and uh, Ryan. We'll see you guys tomorrow night. Uh, still the Cheers and Beers or whatever it's called. Is what, what's the name of the show again so I can get it right next time? Beers and Cheers. Almost had Beers it. and Cheers. Cheers and Beers. Beer. So stay tuned for the cheers or the beers and cheers uh, tomorrow night. We will see you guys later. Have a good evening. All right. Well, there you have it. The boys were at it again. We hope you enjoyed tonight's broadcast. We hope you had a good night and stay right where you are. Another show is coming up. Y'all come back now, you hear? With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 